monumental savings event is happening now at Unclaimed Freight Furniture. Shop an unmatched selection of styles now 20% off. Plus, take time to pay with five years no interest financing. Fine guaranteed lowest prices on home accents starting at just $129. Doorbuster living room finds over 40% off. Can't miss marble dining sets under $700. Plus, thousands off complete bedroom additions. Hurry to shop these monumental savings in-store at Unclaimed Freight Furniture or shop now at unclaimedfreightfurniture.com. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics. In democracies like India, there's always a fierce contest for political power. The social capital so earned is deployed in defining government spending priorities and public policy. So it is fair to say that in a democracy, all policy is politics and policy moves should therefore be viewed through the prism of politics. Every week, this show will explore this intersection of politics and economics to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I am your host, Anil Padmanabh. Over the last 10 days, China has been losing the battle for mines, both globally and within India. Most worrying, the tone has become harsher. Call for stringent action that much louder. Consensus suggests that the world can no longer do business with China. India, one of the largest remaining markets in the world, signaled similarly last week. For the global factory of the world, this threat must be unsettling. Cause for pause. It is already under the gun after US launched a trade war. The COVID-19 pandemic which originated in Wuhan, China is already extracting an economic price. A relocation of global supply chains away from China would spell economic disaster for the dragon. But the loss won't just be for China. India, for example, will see a disruption for business across a raft of sectors. It is not just consumer goods. India Inc. is very dependent on China for intermediates. Both for domestic manufacture as well as exports. Unmindful, India is poised to take the plunge, shed its China dependence. Instead, it will embrace the idea set out by Prime Minister Narendra Modi, Atmanirbhar. Loosely defined as self-reliance, it will deliver a new India. We have changed the world विस्तार से देखने समझने का मौका मिला है कोरोना संकट के बाद भी दुनिया में जो स्थितियां बन रही हैं उसे भी हम निरंतर देख रहे हैं जब हम दोनों कालखंडों को भारत के नजरिए से देखते हैं तो लगता है कि 21वीं सदी भारत की हो यह हमारा सपना ही नहीं यह हम सभी की जिम्मेदारी भी है लेकिन इसका मार्ग क्या हो विश्व की आज की स्थिति हमें सिखाती है कि इसका मार्ग एक ही है आत्मनिर्भर भारत 
From the last century, we have been hearing that the 21st century belongs to India. We have had the opportunity to understand in detail the world before and after the corona pandemic. Seeing both phases from India's point of view shows that the 21st century belongs to India is not just a dream. But how do we realize this potential? The current global circumstances suggest that there is only one way, Atma Nirbhar Bharat. Implicit in the PM's remarks is the idea of decoupling, particularly relevant in the context of our current relationship with China. Popular mood in India backs the thought, it won't be easy though. And more abrupt the shift, greater will be the cost. Will Indian business be able to absorb another disruption? Remember, they have had to deal with demonetization, then the introduction of GST, and more recently the lockdown of the economy enforced due to the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. To glean answers to these vexing questions, I spoke to Rajat Kathuria, an old acquaintance. Rajat is an economist well-versed in global trade relations and the director and chief executive at ICRIER, one of the oldest think tanks in Delhi. So the right person to direct our questions to. I began by asking him whether the national mood backed decoupling. No, not necessarily. So there is a political imperative and there is an economic imperative. If I speak purely from the economic imperative, which is sort of in some sense naive because politics and economics are so intertwined now that it's political economy that, uh, you know, rides the day. But even if I were to sort of keep that aside for the moment and talk purely in an economic sense, if you look at the data and what we are importing from China, and we have a $50 billion trade deficit with China. Undoubtedly, decoupling is another disruption in the making. Question is whether Indian business has the resilience to withstand another shock. Keep in mind, as we discussed previously, over the last few years, India Inc. has had to absorb demonetization, GST and most recently a lockdown. I think the timing of no shock is good for business and business will feel the pressure. But I think if the shock had come at any other time, then I think the, the, the decoupling idea or initiative had come at any other time, maybe Indian businesses could have adapted. But coming on the heels of a growth slowdown, coming on the heels of the other uh, problems that we are seeing in the Indian economy, I don't think the Indian industry has the appetite to face up to another shock. And a, a shock which sort of is, is happening without warning or without planning. Another big concern is how does India unwind the deeply entrenched supply chains with China? Worse, Indian business is still struggling with the idea of ease of doing business. Yes, in rankings, etc., India has improved tremendously. But certainly, it is not where it should be. I think this is the third time that uh, we are planning to do this. The first time happened, you know, when Chinese wages, grew, uh, you know, increased and we thought we'd be able to attract investments into India. The second time was the Sino-US trade war and we thought we'd be able to attract those investments that were vac vacating China to come into India. And this is the third opportunity to do that. And I think it's a good idea to do that, to decouple from China, to diversify our value chains away from China and see if we can domesticate some of them. We may not be able to domesticate all the investments that are vacating China and get them into India, but there are a few that we can. But it has to be planned. One thing that India has is the market. It's a gigantic market. 
But what it does not have, and which we have been discussing for the last, I think, three decades, is the ease of doing business. So how do you marry this contradiction for India? So, you know, this is, I, I think that this is a point that has sort of been on the table for a long, long time. And the prime minister, you know, when he came to office, he actually said this, we need to improve ease of doing business in India. We need to make India much more competitive. So I think at the political level, there is recognition. Uh, but it becomes difficult because we have a federal structure. So whatever is passed at the center, then needs to go to the state. And hopefully some of the competition among states will be able to make us improve, at least in some states, our conditions of doing business. But this is something on the table. And I think the pandemic is an opportunity uh, to say, OK, now I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. I'm actually going to do this on a mission mode because I desperately need to create jobs in India. I desperately need to invite manufacturing in India, especially labor intensive manufacturing. I, and I know one of the big impediments of doing businesses in India is the lack of ease of doing business. So let me set this right. So Rajat, finally, thing is that India needs to approach this in a transactional manner. I mean, think with the mind and not with the heart. You agree? I do. I do. But I also know where, uh, you know, the, 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 the civil society discourses, because uh, as you know, Anil, so well that uh, and we've known each other for a long, long time. I, uh, you know, grew up uh, in a family, in an army officers. My father was an army officer. We grew up in an army family. And lots of my you know, relatives also served in the services. So I've seen this at very close quarters and I recognize the pain that uh, the families uh, of the Javans must be going through. And it is definitely a pain. But the answer to that has to be sort of cold uh, economic thinking. If you get emotional, then you are probably harming yourself in the long run. You don't want to cut your nose to spite your face. You have to take cold, calculated decisions. As, as the Chinese often say, uh, a long journey starts with a single small step. And if you have to start that long journey of decoupling, and I think it will be a long journey, we should start with small steps. As Rajat Kathuria said, India has to put a lid on its emotions and learn to be transactional. Think with the mind and not with the heart. Especially relevant given that the adversary is formidable China. For now, India has fired a warning. It banned a clutch of Chinese apps Indeed, this is low-hanging fruit. But implicit in this is the threat that India will not hesitate to go the distance. Yes, India has to weigh the cost of standing up to a neighborhood bully. But China needs to worry too. Muscle flexing to bend rules risks global alienation. It should remember a simple rule. In a conflict, there are only losers. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. You can reach me on Twitter at Capital Calculus or on Facebook and Instagram at HT Smartcast. I'll be back next week with a new episode of Capital Calculus. Till then, stay safe. This was a Live Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, 
Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.